1: The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin is brought to you by Stokes Seeds. Select from the finest quality vegetable and flower seed at stokesseeds.com and get growing with Stokes.
0: Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio.
2: Good morning and welcome to The Garden Show. I'm the, uh, the newest transplant in the garden of Charlie Dobbin's life, Dean Holland. <laughs> and how are you this morning, Charlie?
3: I'm uh, nice and warm, I'm happy to say, but it is really crisp and chilly out there.
2: Yeah, us too. Uh, We're up here. And of course, uh, you're in your home studio in Prince Edward County. I am in my home studio in Collingwood, Ontario. Uh, Collingwood is showing about a minus 22 today with a minus 29 with the wind chill. How about you?
3: Well, it was minus 22 when I got up, but the sun came up and the temperature has gone up. I think we're up to minus 21 and a half now.
2: (laughs) It's balmy in Prince Edward County.
3: The sun is making a difference for sure. I mean, and we've got snow coming, which I'm very excited about. I I love, I love a good snow, a good Mm -hmm. snowstorm.
2: Yeah. And we, you know what, we have lots of snow up here. So the ski hills up in uh, Blue Mountain are doing very well. And uh, yeah, it's, we got, we got lots of snow.
3: Yeah, which is great. You've had the cold weather to make snow,
2: which is excellent. In addition, yeah. We, I mean, we've had nat- a lot of natural snow anyway. Uh, my family has got an arrangement of snow people in the front yard and uh, <laughs> up and down the street. You can see them. So, uh, yeah, enough to build snow people. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. As long as it's about minus two, I think they can they can manufacture snow.
3: Excellent. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. Um, we're pretty green here, uh, a little dusting, but yeah. like yeah. I say, snow's coming, so I'm excited. Hey, you sent me a photograph of a very beautiful amaryllis that you I, have successfully grown.
2: Yes, very excited. And I also sent you a picture, a uh, copy the picture that I originally sent you, of course, back on December 18th when I purchased it, when it was just a little nub, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's it's crazy how in less than a month it can do what it does.
3: I know. And, and the thing I always say, you know, it's the best gift you can give anybody because anybody who wants to grow an amaryllis, particularly, you know, brand new, fresh from the store, preferably the bigger the bulb, the better the plants will be. Uh, you, you know, anybody can grow them. And it's just a wonderful way to feel like spring is in the air. And I, too, am a gardener.
2: Yeah. And you know what? I got to tell you, we were both, you and I were both a little perplexed by the, the container that my amaryllis came in because it was a, a glass vase with gravel in the bottom. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, at the in, at the end of the day, the advantage is that I can see exactly where the water line is because it's in gravel and I'm making sure that it, as you say, just kisses the bottom of the bulb. Nice nice. So.
3: Hey, why don't you give the phone number so that we yep,
2: can get we'll some do calls that.
3: in? We love your sure. questions and tips and tricks.
2: Mm-hmm. And the I can see that the phone lines are already starting to go. However, there's lots of room. Anywhere in Toronto, 416-360-0740 or anywhere toll-free in the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Uh, okay? and, and do let Carlos know if you are a first-time caller. He'll make a little note on the screen there and then uh, you we will give Give you your garden wings right and uh, we love to do that and we love you to call often call early and one question per call please i'm also going to give out an email uh if you would prefer and i'll give this out through the uh, through the show c. dobbin at mzmedia.com that is another way that you can send uh charlie a question okay now okay. have you got anything, anything big and exciting coming up in your in your world charlie
3: not super exciting at this point um Uh, You know, I'll I'll tell you a bit about uh, a date that I think I do have coming up in March, which is quite exciting, and it's a Mm -hmm. continuation of the documentary series I've been hosting for MZ Media uh, called Healing Gardens, and uh, I'm pretty excited about some upcoming events with this show.
2: Okay, so we'll talk about that throughout the show. Right now, we're going to go to our first break, and then we'll start taking some callers
4: daffodils and daisies bluebells and begonias for scythia and foxgloves, marigolds magnolia lavender and lupins dahlias delphiniums stalks fox, hollyhocks tulips and sweet williams
0: you've picked the right place for everything floral this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio Yes, indeed. We are back on The Garden Show. I'm Dean Holland.
2: I'm going to give you those numbers again before we get to our first caller. Anywhere in Toronto, 416 Or if you live anywhere else in the lovely and beautiful and snowy province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. And we have Joan on the line from Burlington. How are you this morning, Joan?
5: I am well, thank you very much. And how are you?
2: Are we, I, I'm doing great.
5: Happy New Year! Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Go ahead. Go ahead, Joan. Okay. Um, I received a plant of a bromeliad this week. I have never seen one in life before. Uh, the instructions on the tag are so small, I just cannot read it. So I'm okay. asking you: How do I wash it? How often? And how often do I fertilize it?
3: So the bromeliad you received uh, does it have a pink flower or red flower? Red. Sorry, I missed that. It's a red one. It's a red one. Okay. So uh, green leaves, shiny green leaves. Actually, if you look at it, it looks a lot like the top of a pineapple because pineapples are members of the same family, the bromeliad family. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are very uh, long-lasting flowers, which is one of the reasons we love them. What you want is just regular room temperature, so no special temperature, bright light, so the brightest spot in your house would be optimal. I wouldn't put it directly in a window. I try and keep it at least a foot away from the window because they don't like the cold coming off the glass. Mm-hmm. But they do need that nice, bright, bright spot. And the only time place you water them is in the center of the plant, down into that that crown of leaves. Mm -hmm. You don't bother watering the soil at all. Room temperature water poured carefully with your watering can down into that that cone of leaves and uh, you keep water in there all the time. So check every couple of days, every two, three days. Depends how humid your place is and how bright it is and what temperature it is. But uh, you will replenish that water and you'll fill it up. And what will happen is the water overflows down over the leaves down to the roots they have tiny tiny root systems Um, most of their moisture etc is absorbed through the leaves so that's why you keep that uh, liquid there fertilizing is not super important in your case it's a brand new plant so maybe mix up a weak solution of just an all-purpose fertilizer or a flowering plant fertilizer Mm -hmm in a month or so or two you know and and again you'll just water with the weak fertilizer solution and um and that's not a bad idea but remember use room temperature water so make sure it's been sitting out overnight
5: okay now it goes into the leaves and not into the flower the water
3: Uh, it wouldn't hurt in the flower it'll all dribble down out of the flower as well they do if you've got a mister a little spritzer Not a bad idea. You can spritz the plant, you know, take it over to the kitchen sink and do a whole spritz so it's really dripping. And you can can spritz the flower as well. Oh, thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Thank you. And enjoy it for sure. They last for years and years and years. They're a really lovely, lovely plant.
2: I had a pink one once. Joan has reminded me of the pink one that I had. That's that's
3: why I asked. The pink (laughs) one is the more common, but suddenly now all of a sudden we're seeing that
2: red one. Well, and I'd forgotten about it, and I was moving once, and I had somebody helping me move. And, of course, one of the last trips, if you've ever moved, is the car full of plants, right? Yes. And so I remember I was sitting in the backseat, and I had something in my arms that was delicate. And sitting beside me was, it was, sorry, the brom, brom? Brome? Bromeliad. Bromeliad. Anyway, so then the the car turned to the left, and the <laughs> bromeliad tipped over and dumped that whole cup of water right all over me. <laughs> Oh, and that's that's my memory of my my pink plant. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <And> I went <gasps> just caught my breath. There you go. We have another caller on the line from Saint Kitts Saint Catherine's. I know it is Saint Kitts. Uh, Trudy on the line, and she's a first-time caller. How are you, Trudy?
6: I'm doing very well, and how about you guys? I am well.
2: Oh. I got to give you your garden wings, my dear.
6: Oh, thank you.
2: <laughs> Earned them. Welcome. Welcome to the show.
6: Thank you. I have a young evergreen tree. It's a fir. It's about four feet tall. And this is the second year I've had it. And I wrapped it the first year in the winter to protect it from the cold winds. And I wrapped Mm -hmm. it again this year. How many years do I need to wrap that? I'm in a residential area. It's on my
5: northeast corner.
3: And do you know, is it what's called a silver fir? It's got a really pretty kind of a dusty blue uh, leaves? Or No, um... no.
6: No, when I took it up, the guy wasn't sure what kind it was.
3: (laughs) <laughs> Fir trees are native to north america and they are, tend to be very very tough so okay. personally on the northeast corner is is probably pretty optimal i hope you've given it lots of room because they do tend to become large plants yeah. um but uh you shouldn't need to uh, wrap it again in the future not a bad idea the first winter with any evergreen just because they don't have a lot of roots out yet right. it's nice to wrap them just so that they don't lose excess moisture with the sun and the wind and everything battering them all winter but you know after a couple of springs and summers and the you know plant gets much more established as the roots get growing the plants can usually withstand our regular winters so if it's not super sunny and it's not super windy i wouldn't wrap it in the future
6: okay super thank you that's exactly what i
3: needed to know excellent thanks for calling don't be a stranger thanks (laughs) Judy. thanks
2: Okay, we have to take uh, another break, uh, but when we
0: come back, we'll, uh, we'll get to another caller. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Indeed, this is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin on Zoomer Radio and I'm Dean
2: Holland and we have uh, we have another caller on the line. Uh, we and another first time caller from Etobicoke. We've got Sandy. How are you this morning?
1: I'm just fine, thank you. I'm good. looking forward to I being get to... on the show. I've never done this before.
2: <laughs> well I'm, I know because because Carlos told us you're a first time caller, so there you go. You're oh, welcome to Garden my Wings. Dealing.
1: Okay, good.
2: Good morning. <laughs> welcome to the show.
1: Okay, thank you very much. My question, well, it's not really a question. I just wanted to uh, say that I got an amaryllis for my mother uh, and myself, and we had a competition back in November, started, <laughs> and it was a waxed amaryllis. So right. no water, no no dirt, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And they did beautifully, and I, did, I just wondered why they work that way, and can you do it with other tubers i
3: mean it's <laughs> sort of a silly question but you're not really, um, you know, amaryllis are pretty amazing. Um, it, when you bought those wax bulbs, they're big bulbs and they're yeah. heavy. They weigh, you know, a lot. So what yeah. that tells you is that that there's a lot of energy in that bulb when you buy it. It's dormant. It's waxed. There's nothing going on. But everything required for that plant to grow is inside that bulb. It's already inside. So that's that's what happens is that you and your mom put them probably in probably windowsills <laughs> And watch them sprout from we all did. that energy yeah. in the bulb. Bottom line, of course, is that it's this is not a keeper plant. It's compost no. once it's done. But at the same time, they are. It's just so amazing. It's like Dean's growing in gravel. I mean, it, it's just you know life right before your very eyes with no soil, no pots, no nothing in the way.
1: No, no maintenance, and and it was it was it was fun because we shared photos back and forth, uh, oh. you know, week by
3: week, and it was amazing. It just yeah, works. that's cool. I also just so you know, amaryllis other- flowers. So if you ever like, once they flower, they send up that big flower stem with all the beautiful flowers up on the top, and it's right. hollow. If you've ever cut off the flower stem, amaryllis flowers actually last longer cut off the bulb than they do left on the bulb. So they make oh. an excellent cut flower. And ah. um, and and your question of could you do this with another bulb? Technically, you could, but not just any bulb. Like, I could see this working with, say, hyacinths, um, okay. The trick, right. though, of course, is that the the bulbs we grow that come up in the spring, so daffodils, tulips, hyacinths, etc. Sure, yes. they uh-huh. need a cold period before they'll flower. Whereas amaryllis is a tropical bulb, and it doesn't need any special treatment. It just naturally blooms uh, during our winter, when it would naturally bloom in its home of South Africa, when it would be obviously peak summer. Right.
1: Okay, well, thank you very much. <laughs> nice to visit. Okay, okay. Who, listen to you all hey, the, who won the Who won the competition
3: with your mom? Uh,
1: well, I think I did, because <laughs> one came up, you know, one shoot came up, and it was beautiful, and she had one shoot, and, I, and then my second one grew, and and I got three blooms off it. I, nice. I don't know why, but I think I won. She told me I won well so so you had two flower stems which is gorgeous
3: i actually have one in front of me now that's right now on my desk That's sending up its third flower stem (laughs) so yes indeed they they just keep on giving those amaryllis (laughs) thing for me and my mom to share together over the holiday season yeah
2: exactly great idea
1: yeah okay thanks very much take care thanks Thanks so much sandy
2: yeah thank you good share um, you know what? Just because we're talking about amaryllis, uh, we got, you got an email as well. And so we'll address this now because it's a related question. Uh, hi, Charlie and Dean. This is from Joan in Ottawa. Actually, somebody that I know, lovely lady. And she says, my beautiful double amaryllis had 10 blooms. It was magnificent. And Joan he hopes to keep it uh, so it can bloom again next year. What do I need to make this happen?
3: Great question, Joan. Thank you. And actually, while I'm looking at some of these emails from a week or so, two weeks ago, we also have a um, an email from Philomena Conception. Or Conception. She writes uh, with photographs and says, I don't know what these plants are. I got them as gifts. There's no instructions. <laughs> How do I care for them? And of course, they are amaryllis as well. So hopefully Amina is listening. And of course, I'm sure Joan is listening. Thanks for your questions. Um, all right. We already know they're easy to grow. Very simple. Be careful to not overwater if they are in soil. Feel the water before you water them. Uh, you, it, the only way you can kill an amaryllis would be by too much water. It would rot if you keep that soil wet all the time. Keep them in, in a bright spot. Remember to turn them in the window, otherwise, they'll tend to lean over because they ultimately become top heavy. With those massive big blooms, they become top heavy and then the whole plant will fall over because you do want to keep the pot on the dry side rather than uh, keeping it moist and heavy in the pot. So, <clears> at <throat> the end of the day, at some point, those flowers are going to fade, they don't last forever. Uh, enjoy them while you've got them, but when they fade away and they shrivel up and don't look very pretty, <clears throat> excuse me, get out your scissors or pruners cut off the flower flowers, the past flowers, leave the green flower stem until it shrivels up. Meanwhile, green leaves are emerging from the bulbs. You need to leave those green, green leaves and you need to grow this plant as a house plant. So it's going to have these big, what we call strap-like leaves, and they're going to be big. They're going to go from being a you know, six-inch pot to taking up a couple of feet of table space because the leaves are big and they flop and, and they're quite you know showy in their own way. But you have to let those green leaves grow if you want to have this bulb flower next year. The leaves are doing their job, and their job is to photosynthesize. They're absorbing the sunlight that they're receiving through that bright window that you've got the plant placed in. They're, um, when they photosynthesize, of course, they convert light energy or sun energy into carbohydrate, and they store that back in the bulb. So we go from uh, what starts as a nice, firm, big bulb early in December to a smaller bulb after it flowers letting the leaves grow, of course, we get back to that big fat bulb again, even bigger than last time. So let it grow, just let it grow as a greenhouse plant, get it outside in the spring, once the frost has passed and leave it outside, just pots of amaryllis, I end up with them everywhere in my patio, Uh, let them grow green leaves in pots, um, don't water them very often, put them in a spot where they're not going to get rained on all the time or make sure that they're well drained, so they're not sitting in water. And then by about the middle or end of August, I just take these p- pots of green plants and I stick them in my basement, let them let turn yellow, stop watering, and start. And no water, just <clears throat> just dry little desert-like pots with shriveled up yellow leaves. And I let them sit there till, believe it or not, flowers start to grow again in the basement with no water. Wow! And Do you it,
2: bring them out in December?
3: Yeah, and then you bring them out once you see the flowers emerge. Uh, And yeah, so it could be middle of December or it could be the end of December. But yeah, it takes a good 10 or so weeks for the flowers to start to emerge. The one thing I had funny that happened this year that I've never had before is that my amaryllis bloomed last summer as well as last winter. So they uh, instead of waiting for a whole year, they were so happy, they decided to bloom again. So that blooming last summer has affected their blooming this winter. Mm. So um, I, I did my treatment, but I'm not getting any flowers, uh, stems emerging. So I've just now brought them out to uh, give them sunshine and uh, the, the leaves will grow. We'll do the whole thing again and hopefully I'll get flowers next Christmas and not this summer. <laughs>
2: Well, well, and you got them in the summer because, well, you're Charlie Dobbin and see, you know, they know. So they're like pushing them out going, I know who I'm in the company of.
3: <laughs> I was going to say, or, you know, somebody like Darren Maharaj drops by with his Zoomer News camera and they're like, yeah. oh, we want to be the star. We want to be the star. <laughs> so they're blooming completely out of season.
2: <laughs> they know. That's hilarious. Um, OK, I'm going to give out those numbers again. We do have lines open and then we'll get to another caller. Uh, 416-360-0740 if you are interested. <laughs> Anywhere in Toronto... Um, or anywhere else in the province of Ontario, use our toll-free number, one 740 4740 And as I mentioned earlier, um, I am in my Collingwood home studio. You are in Prince Edward County. And, of course, everything is pulled together by uh, our our trusty Carlos, who, of course, <laughs> is at Zoomerplex. And that's yes. where the calls come in. And he keeps everything going together. And we just – we love Carlos so much.
3: Couldn't and do it without him.
2: <laughs> couldn't do it without him. And uh, we're going to Keswick now, okay? On the line – I have got Mary. How are you this morning, Mary?
5: I'm fine, thank you. And uh, all your calls have been about amaryllis, or maybe I should say amarylliside. but uh, mine is as well. Um,
2: Well, Charlie said before the show that we we tend to get a lot of amaryllis questions in January, (laughs) a lot of those questions, because so many of us have them blooming.
5: Right. I have, um, I do my, I take my amaryllis in about, uh, late October, early November, and I have just brought them out last week. But one of them, when it went, uh, into hibernation, so to speak, uh, had, uh, a green leaf on it already growing. And I assumed that it was just going to die off, but it hasn't. Mm. So I'm in a quandary as to whether or not I should cut it off or just leave it. And when I take, uh, when I've taken them out, other years I don't uh, water them until I see uh, growth on the bulb. Mm-hmm.
3: So that's uh, my little predicament. Uh, no, it's a good question actually. Just, I mean, that's consistent with you know mine flowering at the wrong time and same kind of thing. The leaves, even in the dark, the leaves were starting to emerge. Right. So if you've got So there was a green leaf on the amaryllis when it went into the dark back in October. Now you're pulling it out. The leaf is still there, though it's obviously very pale. I I would not cut it off. uh, When you're seeing some growth... Uh, Even if it's white growth, because they've been in the dark, as soon as you get the plant into the light, that white will turn green. I would give some water. Typically what I do is I water all my amaryllis just once when I bring them out of hibernation, Uh give them one thorough watering, and then I let them just sit in the sunshine, and I wait to see what happens.
5: Uh Uh-huh. So I should leave this on then. Of
3: course, it's nice and green now, but I don't think it's grown anymore. It will, with some water. Pardon me? If you water it, it will grow. Okay, the whole that one. And
5: um, I have been growing them for quite some time. And uh, so that's why I, um, and I believe it was Ed Lawrence's, uh, uh, pardon me. <laughs> I, get, I try to get all the information. I can uh, He said that you should just leave them until they show signs of light. So mm-hmm. that's when I switched to not watering because I am so afraid of overwatering. Yeah. But no, and I he's, water. he's
3: right. I want, once I water, I don't water anymore until they grow right yeah yeah of course yeah yeah exactly so the fact that you put them into the dark dormant period for the 10-week requirement you've brought them out of that dormancy absolutely if you're you've got them up in room temperature in Mm -hmm. bright light you know if they are alive which they likely are they will start to show some little tiny bits of growth whether it's a flower stem growth or leaf stem growth you will see little tips and as soon Mm -hmm. as you see that then do water um, I, I just want to add, too, some people think
5: that I'm a little crazy leaving them so late. But I must say, it's very refreshing to see them coming, blooming, when everything outside is so uh, snowy and dark and nothing else is growing.
3: I, I hear you on that. You're right. And, and you're right. At Christmas time, we tend to have things like Christmas cactus and yes. poinsettia and yes. other color. Uh, so it's always a joy to have flowers in the house. Yes, it is. Okay, well, thank you for your help. Thanks for your call. Um, hey, Dean, you know, speaking yeah. of, and Mary and to all our listeners, speaking of colour in the house, uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about this in a couple of weeks, I think. But, you know, something we can do, even starting now, though I would wait a couple of weeks, is if you have flowering, early flowering shrubs in or trees in your property, on your property, for example, a forsythia, you know, the shrub with the yellow yes, flowers? Yes, the
2: yellow, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, so I have one that needs some pruning, and I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to prune it in the winter.
2: And oh, You can do it, that?
3: I, absolutely. I'm going to bring in the stems that I prune off and I'm going to put them in a vase and I'm going to enjoy blooming forsythia branches inside my home in the middle of the dark days of winter. But I haven't really? done it yet. I'm going to wait a couple of weeks.
2: Holy cow! You know, I grew up with forsythia, but I don't have one on my property. I kind kind of miss it. Like, I, I it reminds me of my childhood because yeah, we, we did have will... quite a big forsythia bush.
3: Yeah, um, they get huge. That's why
2: mm-hmm. we threw them. <laughs> yeah. So I might just have to take a little uh, a little trip down to your place and uh, snip off some for my house.
3: <laughs> for sure. Well, and you know, there's other early blooming shrubs. Like, for example, some people have fruit trees: apples, peaches, pears, uh, plums. We do our pruning on those in late winter, so if you do have a fruit tree or a crab apple and you're doing some late winter pruning, don't, don't compost what you're pruning. Take it inside and enjoy it in the house. It will flower inside
2: those cool. branches. That is really neat. Uh, Charlie, we're going to go to Lindsay, a little bit closer your direction. Uh, we've got uh, Gail on the line. Good morning, Gail. Good
6: morning. How are you?
2: Good. Good. How's the temperature there?
6: Um, About 23 minus.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We seem to be all in about the same boat.
6: I think so. (laughs) Um, I just want to thank you for your show. I truly enjoy it. And um, my question to you this morning is I purchased a new plant uh, this past summer called an angel wing and i absolutely love this plant it grew like crazy so i didn't want to lose it i brought it in Um, it's been doing great until about the last i'd say week and a half and it's starting to shrivel up um i do have it by a bright window um i'm not sure what i should be doing at this point or is it something that's going to um go through the winter for me
3: it should. So uh, the angel wing, the proper name on that is Datura. Uh, I'm, I, I'm assuming, was it white flowers, yellow flowers? Yes,
6: it's a, just a white fuzzy leaf.
3: <laughs> right. And it was it flowered for you last summer, I assume.
6: I never saw any flowers. It just got really big and a lot of leaves. I never saw flowers. I didn't know it it's, did flower, so that that's okay, even a bonus so to hear I'm that. More...
3: Angel wing. Could it be a begonia? Is it, uh, you know what, you might have to send me a photograph. I'm just saying, well, I guess, so, yeah. Angel's trumpet is Datura, but you, what was, you you said angel's wing.
6: Angel wings, it's what it was called. I don't know the Latin name. Um, The leaves look like the color of Dusty Miller, and they're fuzzy like that, and they're soft, but they're like a great big... Um, I'm going to say like a big teardrop. Um, And it grew from about three to four inches high when I purchased it to at least 12 inches high, and it's probably, I would say now, about 14 inches wide. It it got many, many leaves.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think uh i'm just trying to think of so there's an angel wing begonia but angel wing begonia is not green and fuzzy okay but there are some other very popular annual flowers used in the garden um, that are um yeah used because they're that green fuzzy like or sorry gray fuzzy like a dusty yeah. miller yeah it makes a beautiful contrast with other garden plants Yes, so will yes, it survive? Yes. Okay, so here's um I'm not positive of exactly what plant you have, but here's what it probably needs. Number one, it needs bright spot. Have you got it in a bright sunny window? Yes. Be very careful to not overwater. Okay. Uh, all of our house plants, we have this tendency when we bring in outdoor plants, is we keep them on the same watering regime that we used in the summer. But of course, right. in the winter, they don't use nearly as much water. So okay. be very, very careful. Even if it's how big is the pot that it's in?
6: Um, the pot's uh, at least fourteen inches wide and about right. well, twelve inches deep, or at least.
3: I Do you have a- something called a moisture meter? No, I don't. I would get one. When you're dealing okay. with a pot that big, it's very okay. hard to know when to water. We feel okay. the surface and it feels very dry. We stick oh, well, our finger down, it still feel, feels dry. Yeah. But because of the depth of that pot, there could be lots of moisture down below where we can actually feel with our fingers. A moisture okay. meter is a little probe. Yeah, they're yes. about um 12 inches deep. A mm-hmm. uh, little battery-operated um, Um, gizmo on top you jam the probe into the soil and it will give you a readout on the moisture level in your soil down at that depth and that can be a good thing and i think that that it it With a big pot and with something like that, you want to err on the side of under rather than over watering. So what I would do is no more water, bright, sunny spot, keep it out of drafts, right? No hot air, no cold air, just room temperature. No misting should be required. Like I wouldn't put water on the leaves. It's good if you've got higher humidity using a pebble tray. So just that either other plants providing and sharing humidity or a tray with gravel, Plant sits on top of the the tray full of gravel. Water is in the tray at all times. Will help, and get your okay. pruners and be prepared. You are going to end up cutting that plant back probably much further than you expect to uh and you're going to do that either sort of now because it's demanding it dropping its leaves or in the next few weeks and by doing that cutting back you're going to promote new growth the days are getting longer and plants are responding to that so yeah so it could be you know today it could be two or three weeks from now but you are going to end up cutting that plant back it probably down to about half the size it is now but don't water
6: all right I thank you for your advice. That's good Thank you so much. I will will get a meter. (laughs) Thank you. And and get it, yeah.
3: You'll find they really help with the big plants. Great. All right. Thanks so much for
2: your call, Gail. Okay, Charlie, got to take another break. And then when we come back, we've got some more callers. We'll be right back with the Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio
0: fur and feathers and bugs of all size there's more going on in the garden than you realize should small creatures become a big problem then you've got the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio yes we are back with the gardening
2: show i'm dean holland and charlie you have a quick update for gail and Lindsay, yeah
3: Yeah, yeah, just um, when she was talking about a plant called angel wing or angel wings, uh, it's not a begonia for anybody who's listening. And Gail, if you're still listening, Senecio, S as in Sam, E, N as in Norway, E, C as in Charlie, I, O, Senecio. If you want to look it up, that's the genus And uh, yeah, I I have nothing to add, because what I said was perfectly correct. But just if that is the proper name, if you want to look it up for more information. Uh, One quick addendum. It is uh, poisonous to cats and dogs and small children, so don't let anybody chew on it.
2: Okay, as as a general rule, I gotta tell you, I try not to let anybody chew on any of my house plans. So well, but even house plans. Yeah, no, you never know. <laughs> I love that. I was just thinking during the break that it's hard to believe this. We're already in our third. This is our third show of twenty twenty two already. It and it, we're. That's crazy. It's happening. Yeah, it it's is happening. And one of my favorite things about co hosting the show with you is all just re, hearing from people from all over the province. I love it. Mm-hmm. And we get to go to Guelph now. No, we're going to Pickering. Sorry, Pickering. We're going to talk to Bill in Pickering. How are you this morning, Bill? I'm well, thanks.
7: Nice and bright. Cold, but bright. That's good.
2: Yeah, Uh, indeed. Charlie, I'm calling about
7: Diatomus. um, Diatomaceous. You You got it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I've got a whole bunch of geranium uh, mother plants that I brought in. In uh, September, and a bunch of coleus which I've got, and they're just blooming wild and doing great. But then fungus gnats, and I heard that you can use diatomus, uh, you, you can say it again, uh, soil, and um, how do I use it properly? Because apparently okay, it, great, uh, yes. it kills off all those sort of critters.
3: Okay, so a very good question. So the reason you're calling it diatome is because diatomaceous earth is made from diatoms. And diatoms were living sea creatures, and they're, ver- they're dead, and they are ground up, pulverized into what looks like a white powder to us, but actually mm-hmm. looks like shards of glass. To a small insect, and oh. so even though it's called diatomaceous earth, the way we use it is we'll typically sprinkle it on the surface of the soil. We'll use it outside uh, around hostas, as an example, or inside uh, on our house plants. And what it does is it lacerates the bellies of insects as they crawl over the surface of the soil. And when it lacerates their little bellies, of course, all their liquids ooze out and they die. And we're very happy about that. Um, now, but for you in your situation with your geraniums and coleus and their big mother plants are in pots and you've got fungus gnats. The reason you have fungus gnats is because you're watering too much and you're growing fungus in your soil, which feeds the fungus gnats because that's what they're really eating. They're eating the fungus. They're not really eating the plants, but they look like Fruit flies and they're irritating and they bug you that they're flying around every time you look at the plants. And if you bang the side of the pot, a whole cloud of what looks like fruit (laughs) flies (laughs) flies out of the pot. Those are, as you realize, fungus gnats. The, The ones with wings are the adults. They are not eating anything, but they are looking for a good place to lay eggs. When they lay their eggs, they lay their eggs in the soil, so in that nice, moist potting mix in your pots. The eggs hatch, and what hatches out are little, tiny, tiny, almost microscopic white larvae. So little, tiny grubs, if you will. And it's those little creatures that are eating the fungus. So two things you can do. One is pull way back on your watering. Only water these plants when it's really required. So feel the surface, stick your fingers down, get a moisture meters, do whatever you need to do to, to pull back on your water and keep the plants alive. But it is winter, so don't, you know, keep them always moist. Let them really dry between waterings. And what I, I use very effectively on fungus gnat adults, the ones that are flying around, is something called sticky sticks. You can get them at any of your home uh, centers um, or your garden centers so sticky of course s-t-i-c-k-y sticks x sorry s-t-i-x sticky sticks and follow the instructions and um and use those little sticky sticks in the pots of the plants the adults are attracted to the yellow sticky paper it's like fly paper they get stuck into the yellow stuff And they die. And the idea is you want them to die before they lay eggs. So it'll take a couple of weeks, but you will be able to eliminate them if you pull back watering and use some sticky sticks.
7: Well, uh, I really enjoy. I'm sorry. I I agree with you with the sticky sticks. I've got one in almost every pot right now, and uh, they're getting dark as they go. (laughs) They're catching a lot. Drying down. I'm not watering until my water meter says dry, completely dry. Okay. So I'm Okay. Well, if-
3: it, and you could use that diatomaceous earth sprinkled on the surface of the soil as as well, if you wish. So All right. thanks so much, Bill. We got to go. We have our last break before the show's over. Yes, no, we it was do. Way too fast.
2: Yeah, it uh, absolutely does. we'll take that break, and then we'll try and get another caller in. Okay, here we go.
3: Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia
4: and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet
0: williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed,
2: we are back on The Garden Show, and we're going to jump right into a caller uh, from Guelph. Agnes, and Agnes is a first-time caller. How yes, are you, Agnes? Hi.
3: Morning, Agnes. Good morning, There way, my and, dear. Uh, Dean,
4: thank you. And uh, I would like to ask you if you know about the Star of, Star of Bethlehem. Uh, yeah. We have a problem with it in our vegetable garden uh, and in our lawn, and we don't know how to get rid of
3: it. Oh. Okay, so this is what I love about common names, because Star of Bethlehem is, is many plants. Oh, really?
0: Hmm. Yes.
3: Oh, this is so, a bulb. It, it,
4: they're little bulbs, uh, and they okay. multiply, and it has a beautiful white flower. Uh, I think it's five petals.
3: Right, so proper name being Ornithogalum. <laughs> Sorry about that. Bless you. Um, what, uh, what? So you want to get rid of it?
2: You there, Agnes? Yes. Sorry. Did
3: you say you want to get rid of this plant? Yes. Because oh. it's it's just spreading everywhere. Right, but if it's like in the lawn and stuff, just yes, enjoy yes. the flowers early in, in the, the spring, and then just garden. mow it down. Like it doesn't. It um. Like yeah. I, go ahead. It's
4: it's like um the bulbs seem to uh, multiply so much and when we turn the soil they just you know it it gets uh um, it takes More. over the the wider and wider area so it's it's everywhere and we we tried uh, to eliminate it just by picking up the bulbs but it doesn't seem to we, we didn't use any spray but uh yeah. We just don't seem, and I googled it too, but I, I can't find anything to 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 get rid of it, to eliminate them completely
3: yeah so okay so your problem is an interesting problem most people wouldn't want to get rid of that plant they would enjoy the flowers in the spring and then just mow it down if it's in the lawn and then it disappears in the garden i can understand why it might be a bit more challenging it's like chives if you've ever planted a chive plant before you know what your entire garden is chives because those little tiny tiny bulbs well first of all the flowers go to seed and then the seeds germinate And before you know it, you've got, you know, an acreage of chives or in your case, an acreage of ornithogalum. If you really, um, like I said, I would not try and eliminate them in the lawn. I would just enjoy them and then mow them, mow them down in yeah. the garden. You could suffocate them with uh, just some newspaper in oh, the spring I, okay. or put newspaper down in the fall. Uh, and soil on top of that, and, and they theoretically won't grow through that in the spring, which will ultimately kill them. You could use a herbicide, one of the um, vinegar-based uh, herbicides that are available for us. Uh, well, they're not selective. When you spray the uh, herbicide onto the green leaves and the white flowers of these little tiny plants in the spring, it will kill those it will also kill anything else that it contacts. So you'd have to be very careful that you only spray what you're trying to kill.
4: Okay. Okay, we'll try that then. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, digging. And I also have an amaryllis blooming twice in July, and now, actually, it's blooming now,
1: too. Good so. for you. There you go.
3: See, yeah. you're beating me. You Mine went in July, show. and they're not coming uh, yet. <laughs> great. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Thanks Agnes. Bye, Agnes. Yeah, I was, Oh, yeah. Just the, the idea of killing all those little bulbs. But anyway, okay.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Do we have time to answer a quick email or question? Or uh, we got two. I know minutes we're left. really tight. Well, yeah. did
3: you have one of your personal questions you wanted to slide well,
2: in? Well, I did actually. Um, you know what? I put in a little vegetable garden uh, this year. Um, uh, some pickles, well, some cucumbers, uh, mm-hmm. peas, some lettuce, and some beans. And my question is, I, 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 mine was a fairly small plot, and they always give you so many seeds. My goodness, in the packs. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and now I've still got them, and I'm just wondering. You know, I, in my mind, I should be able to still use them in the spring, or is that should I really get new? fresh seeds?
3: That's a really good question, actually. Different seeds are well, different. Yeah, different kinds of seeds are different. So, for example, if you had corn seeds left over from last year, I would say trash them, compost them. They're not going to grow. If you have tomato seeds left over from last year, I'd say, oh, yeah, definitely grow them. They'll they'll grow fine. So it's different uh, seeds, different genus will uh, over like are 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 more viable than others depending on on how you care for them and what exactly varieties they are you can do a germination test and i can tell you really quickly what you would do a moist paper towel mm-hmm. put 10 seeds of the 10, say, pea seeds into moist paper towel, close up the paper towel, put it in a warm spot, even just on the kitchen counter uh, in a, on a plate with a little bit of saran wrap over top just to keep the moisture in and leave it for uh, 10 days or so to up to two weeks. Check every day. At some point, those seeds will germinate in the paper towel. Count how many survive, and that will give you an idea of your germination viability. If you get 9 out of 10 growing, you're good to go. If you get 1 out of 10 growing, toss
2: the seeds. That's okay. My Fabulous. <laughs> Thanks. I want to give out your email just before. If you have a question you want to email, Charlie, her email is c.dobbin at mzmedia.com. And my goodness, as you said earlier, the time flies.
3: It sure does. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for all your great calls. Thank you, Carlos. Couldn't do any of this without you. And Dean, it's been a slice. You're a good little transplant. We got you sprouting along there. You're, you're doing good. You're thriving, my friend. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks. See and you well, have a great again.
2: week. Yeah.
3: Next week.
0: Yeah. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at nine on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.